Welcome to One Day Closer with Mark and Dave. We are going to do a special edition today of the Harbingers. You're going to find out what a Harbinger is. You're going to find out who gave us the Harbingers. And we're going to tell you all about it because we believe that these Harbingers are warnings. They're signs of things to come that are happening right now. They're going to help us make some decisions in your life about who to follow, where to go, and who to believe, etc. So let's first share some things about the author, Jonathan Kahn. Uh, Jonathan Kahn uh, is a rabbi in a Christian church in New Jersey. Yes, I said a rabbi of Jewish heritage in a Christian church. Sound weird? Well, unknown to most people, I'd say. There are millions of Jews around the world who have chosen to follow Jesus because they read their Old Testament scriptures and they realized that Jesus was the promised Messiah. They realized, for example, that the Messiah must first come as a suffering servant, as Isaiah said, before he comes again as a conquering king. So these Jews have their eyes opened, and they see the truth. And they are called Messianic Jews. Uh, Messianic is, is the word for Messiah, and so these Jews believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So this is important because the Messianic Jews bring a rich understanding of the Old Testament to the Christian faith. And this is what Jonathan Kahn did when he became an author. He has written five New York Times best-selling books. His first was called The Harbinger. It's written in the form of a novel, but he writes and compares real events, not imaginary events for a novel, but real events in ancient Israel, and he compares them to the 9-11 attacks that happened just a few years ago. Just as the ancient harbingers in Israel served as a warning to the Jewish nation to turn back to God, so today... God has given America these same harbingers. We know this because the events are the same. It's the same group of people. It's the same signs regarding towers and bricks and prophetic messages and even details regarding trees and particular dates. What happened then also happened a few years ago on 9-11, and it's still happening right now. So there's another book. That is more recent. In 2020. They're starting to, they're coming out with a movie. Oh, that would So be this great. guy, he's reached out to tens of thousands of people from India to uh, Africa, America. He's even spoken at the United Nations. Nice. Um, but what was really cool about him, what I thought was really neat about it, is that he was born, like you said, in a Jewish home. Right. His father came from Germany. They escaped the Holocaust. Uh, his mother came from Russia. So you got German and Russian. And they were both scientists. I don't know what that means, but I thought it was kind of smart. interesting. Yeah, it that's right. Smart. They're smart people. But um, he perceived a disconnection between God of faith, the God of faith of the Bible, and what he was actually learning in the synagogue. Hmm. And at the age of eight, he became an atheist. <laughs> that's a pretty sharp guy. Yeah. I'm eight years old and says, no, I think I'm not. I don't believe that. He's thinking. He, he's thinking. But 10 years later, he became increasingly disillusioned with atheism. So think about that. That'll he do it. made a decision and then at eight. Right. And so now he's 18 and he's completely disillusioned with the whole atheism thing. And so one day he picks up the book uh, thinking he's going to read about UFOs. <laughs> I bought the same book, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. Oh, yeah. That's in the 
That's a famous book. That's a famous book. And that book was all about prophecy given in the Bible and what's going to happen in the last days. But I I thought it was funny that he picked up the book thinking it was UFOs. I remember picking up the book thinking it was a story about UFOs. And it wasn't anything like that. It was all about prophecies. And that changed changed his life. Wow. Right? So that's a little bit about the author. The book overview of The Harbinger, and this is what's kind of important. In the last days of ancient Israel, there were nine harbingers that appeared in the land of Israel, warning the nation of calamity and destruction and trying to get people back on track. The same harbingers, now listen to me, the same harbingers of warning that happened 2,500 some odd years ago in ancient Israel, the same signs of a nation that's under judgment have now manifested on American soil. Let that sink in now on American soil. This isn't still something happening over in Israel. Why don't you take it from there? You know, about well, the. Well, I want to uh, let's define what a harbinger is. Oh, yeah, that's, that'd be uh, important. It sounds like you're talking about boats in a harbor. <laughs> okay. All right. A harbinger, according to uh, Merriam Webster, is basically one that pioneers or initiates a major change. Or it's one that foreshadows what is to come. So in a sense, it's like a prophet. Now, Jonathan Kahn took that and put some more texture on that definition to basically talk about the signs that were given in Israel and then the same signs, like Dave just said, that were given in America. And he's connecting the two. He's showing the similarities between ancient Israel and America having the same results because in in ancient Israel it was a warning of judgment that was to come if they don't turn back to God and Jonathan Kahn is basically saying the same thing for America our country was founded on godly principles but we've kind of fallen away especially in the last uh, 80 years or so we have really pushed God out of our culture out of our personal lives, and we need to come back to him. And these signs have been given to America that a judgment may come if we don't turn back. Well, I think a judgment's already come. In some senses, it has. I mean, we had a little piece last week on the silver lining. That's right. Which was talking about what was the net out of this pandemic. At the end of the day, the whole pandemic was a nightmare. I mean, it was judgment on the land, but not just America, not just Israel, not just Russia. It was the whole world. Every man, woman, and child was affected, had to stop, look, and listen to what was actually, you know, going on around them. And I think we saw everything. We had to evaluate everything. We saw everything. And I think my belief is that that was a God moment. It was a God event. God was trying to reach down and say to the entire globe, Mm -hmm. the entire population, at one time, at the same time, on the same channels, would you guys stop what you're doing? You know, stop listening to the hypocrites, the people in charge, the lot. Listen to me. Right. Follow me. Look at, I, I think he loved us so much and that this pandemic shows us that God's still up there. God right. still cares. And he's still trying to reach us and get us on the right path. You know, we wouldn't have half the problems we have in the world right now oh. if, if we were still hadn't thrown God out of the town square. I agree. Uh, So what happened after the first shaking in Israel? I mean, that's where it all starts, right? 732, right? So 732 BC, Mm -hmm. the nation was hardened against God in Israel. 
And 9-11, it was pretty much the same thing. We kind of threw him out 60, 70, 80 years ago. It was the 21st century, I guess, where we took him out of the square. All the little gods and all the little idols became everything that we pursued. Prosperity, money, sensuality, sexuality, pleasure, self-absorbance. You know, when the little god or the little Gs take over the culture, then truth becomes subjective. Uh, You can be anything you want. (laughs) You remember, uh, I'm not a biologist. (laughs) You know, Uh, I'm a a woman, but I, I don't know what a woman is. Yeah, right. I mean, it just, there's no, it's a circle discussion. Well, I'm not a proctologist, but I know what a... (laughs) There you go. There you go. Well, there's nine harbingers, and we're going to walk you through them right now. Let's start off with the breach. Uh, uh, I want to bring up one one point first. Dave and I are speaking to something that really is not well understood or well believed, because the whole COVID thing we're looking at from a biblical perspective— as probably from God, a judgment from God in a sense. But especially in Western culture, we don't think of it like that. We think it came from a bat, or we think it came from a lab, or we think it's just the way nature is. But we need to get beyond that physical realm. It's a spiritual realm that can come from God too. Absolutely. So so we're going to continue to talk like that because this world is so much more than what we see, touch, feel, and hear. So, the first harbinger is called the breach. And it's a, a breach would be like a break in the wall, walls that uh, come crumbling down, um, those kinds of things. And in 732 BC, it was uh, the Assyrians of the day. They are a major player in this. And the Assyrians in those days were basically the terrorists. They were neighbors to Israel, and they went to Israel to basically break through the walls. Yeah, but here's the the cool part. So America was also breached. Our walls were breached on 9-11. That's right. 2001. And we were breached by the spiritual children of the Assyrians. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? The same people. The same bloodline. The same bloodline, yeah. You know, because when they took out the Pentagon, that, that was our... Or, you know, 9-11, when they hit the Pentagon, they went right at our military target. Yeah. Many people saw that really as just a matter of uh, a defense issue. Like today, we'd talk about, well, the problem with the whole uh, COVID thing, it, it was a vaccine thing. Right. It should be a vaccine thing. Let's talk about vaccines. How many do you need? How many boosters do you want? Right. You know? So, like you said a minute ago, they just focus on something that's irrelevant, yeah. Right. Yeah, they're they're yeah. talking about they thought back then, including Israel, including us, we thought this was a matter of defense was weak, our national security, maybe our foreign policy had a breakdown. Yes. And they weren't they weren't talking about the spiritual side of it, mm-hmm. that this is a spiritual warfare thing going on. The first breach was not intended to eliminate the one that hit Israel wasn't intended to eliminate Israel forever. It was a warning. Yeah, yeah, that's it, a great point. It was intended to be a re- warning. Return back to me, and I'll make sure you're covered, protected, and in charge. Yeah, but they did and they didn't. And what they did is they blew off this period of grace and mercy, and instead they became, Israel now, became defiant. Oh, we're going to build back better. Oh, wait. Have you heard that before? Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, well, let's talk about building back better in the next segment. Right on the other side, we shall return.
Welcome back. This is Dave and Mark, Mark. with One Day Closer. Uh, we are talking about the Harbinger series. And I think we just left off with Israel was given a sign in the breach of the wall. And the Assyrians came in and, and kind of broke into the place. God was trying to warn Israel to come back, come back to him. But Israel responded in a very defiant way. And we did the same thing. America did the same thing. After 9-11, Americans were going, well, where was God? Where, where was God in all this? But prior to that day, we had long since gotten rid of God. For decades, we were pushing for, him out. For decades. We, we got rid of prayer in the school. We drove him out of the schools. We kicked him out of the government. The I think co- there's a guy that actually still prays before certain events. But a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about the Democratic Convention took a oh. vote. Oh, Should yes. we pray before we had the convention? And they no. all said, no. <laughs> It's like, no, no okay, prayer. so I think it's safe to say you won't find God there. And we have also taken him out of the courthouses, you know. Taking him out of the courthouses. Taking the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses. and He's out of the media. He's out of our culture. And he's out of the public square. And so I don't know if it's fair for us to ask the question, you know, where's God? Last week I mentioned, you know, well, I know where he is. He's still on the throne. And yeah. he's still trying to get a hold of us. And I think he was trying to get a hold of us and say, slow down, look at me. Pay attention. I'm in charge here. During the whole pandemic thing, he took that opportunity. I personally believe he took just like these harbingers here. I think that was God saying, if I have to, I'll send a plague. We've done it before. You remember the frogs and all the locusts and the river of blood? You know, it wasn't just a muddy river for crying out loud. It said it was a river of blood. I mean, all those things to try to get what? Pharaoh's attention. No worky. Wasn't that Pharaoh? Yes. Okay. You're yes, looking at me like, what the Where are you going with this, Dave? No, no. That's great. <laughs> well, we're going to go to the terrorists. Tell us about the terrorists, Mark. Well, the point of the second harbinger, which is the terrorist, is that the terrorists in ancient Israel, the Assyrians, are the same bloodline, the same people that the terrorists were who took down the uh, towers on 9-11 and the Pentagon and the plane yep. crash in Pennsylvania. They were all the same people. They were basically the spiritual fathers of Al- Al-Qaeda, or Al-Qaeda, however you want to pronounce that. Yep. And so they were the children of the Middle East, just as it was for the people in 9-11. They even spoke the same language. Uh, back then, uh, they called it Akkadian, but today, that same language is uh, called Arabic. So it was the same people from the same part of the world speaking the same language And so that's what makes the terrorist the second harbinger. Like Dave said, though, these are not necessarily final judgments. They are warnings to wake us up, to come back to him. Yeah, well, here's here's something if you're looking for a warning, right? So in prophecy, you tend to look for weird things that kind of start to connect. Well, when America was drawn in to the war Mm post-9-11, which was April, April of 2003 is when we first said, oh, got it. We're going to get him. We're, we're going to be defiant. <laughs> oh, yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, we made our base in, uh, base of operations was in Mosul. Now, some people, I'm sure, have heard of Mosul. Yep. It's been on the TV. It's been on the radio. But Mosul, a lot of people probably didn't know this. In Mosul, Mosul is the ancient city of Nineveh. You remember Nineveh, right? The Jonah and the Whale story. Jonah and the Whale goes to Nineveh. He's supposed to tell Nineveh, straighten your act up. Right. God's going to strike you down. Right? Well, Mosul is in the ancient city of Nineveh, which is 
the graveyard of the entire Assyrian Empire. That was their base of operations. Wow. Think about that. That's... <laughs> I mean, we land and set up base on the ancient ground on top of the Assyrians to start our operation. It's just weird. Could have been down our street. Could have been a city away. Could have been a whole other country away. The IHOP. <laughs> Could have been at IHOP. <laughs> but no, uh, it was right there on top of the ancient Assyrian Empire, which I think was pretty weird. So that takes us to the wow. third harbinger, which is talking about the falling brook, uh, the bricks. falling bricks. Yes. So God was anger with Israel's arrogance, which we talked about a minute ago at 732, mm-hmm. is captured basically in the book of Isaiah. Israel's arrogance and defiance towards that is actually captured in Isaiah 9, 10. I'll just read it real quick. It's short. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with hewn and smoothed stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will plant cedars in their place. Now, that was that was written a long, 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 long time ago. Yes. But we're going to show you, as does Khan, he's going to show us how... Those specific lines was basically a prophecy of judgment and that those words were spoken in Isaiah. They were spoken over Israel. They were spoken on our capital. Crazy. It's crazy how this all worked out. So Israel not only missed the warning, they defied it. And they boasted that they were going to do what? Build back better. (laughs) I'm telling you. They actually do use the same kind of language. Uh, they kind of do. It, it wasn't just a prophecy for the ancient Israel. It was a vow. I vow to do this. I vow in my defiance to build back better, to cut down the trees, etc. This vow from Isaiah 9.10 uh, will be discussed quite a bit. Yep. So, the fallen bricks are because the walls were breached by the terrorist, the second harbinger, and the third harbinger is the fallen bricks. Now, you also might think that uh, in 9-11, those towers were just made of steel and glass, but there was also a lot of bricks there. Oh, there's and, of course, the Pentagon itself yep. was primarily stone and brick when it was breached. Right. So there's the same parallel connection. Yep. You know, I, that's exactly right. Which takes us to the tower, right? So... The fourth harbinger is about the how the tower. After ruins of 9/11 were cleared away, a sign was established. Now this is not Israel. This is America, right? But after 9/11, the we we built a sign, and it said, and we put it at ground zero. Mm-hmm. You could go see it. A new icon will soon arise above Lower Manhattan skyline, and it's called the, the Freedom, Freedom tower. tower. The Freedom Tower. Doesn't that sound a little cocky? Yeah, it does. I mean, we all like it, right? We all like the fact of freedom, but it does sound a bit defiant, maybe. Yeah. Right? And so here we are again, a boast of defiance in both Israel and America. We're going to rebuild the tower uh, is an act towards uh, defiance of God. And the Freedom Tower at Ground Zero was basically proclaimed by the mayor, the state senator, the governor, the city's mayor, and the president actually quoted uh, Isaiah 9.10. We, we will, will rebuild. rebuild, which was our big sign of defiance. And that also, not to ignore what was happening in Israel, but in Israel, they built the towers too. For a city, 
when they built the wall around a city in ancient Israel, they would have the gates where the people would come in and go out. And right on either side of the gate, there would be a tall tower where they could put the guards. Mm -hmm. And they said that they were going to rebuild these towers so that uh, they can see the enemy coming still. So the towers were rebuilt then, just as they rebuilt the tower today. Right. That takes us to the Gesset Stone, which is basically, so this is the fifth harbinger. It's hewed, it's carved, it's a smooth stone, it's quarried from somewhere and moved to wherever uh, the site is. But for America, when we vowed to build back better, we quarried a 20-ton block from the Anirondack Mountains. 20 tons. 20 tons, and we placed it at ground zero. Zero, nearly three years after 9-11. Wow. And we called it the Freedom Stone. All right. right. On July the 4th, the governor of New York proclaimed that we're going to perform an act, and he used these words, quote, unquote, in the spirit of defiance. <laughs> well, if that doesn't Jeez, say so it. peace. <laughs> <laughs> Can it get any worse, right? Right. Uh, so the in ancient times, the Gaza Stone became the embodiment of a nation's vow, like you said earlier. When mm-hmm. they make a vow, it's not just a you know a, a commitment, but it's it's one step further. It's a vow to defy what they believe is coming against them. That's right. And it's and it's also um, I was rereading some of the uh, the book on that. It's in the ancient Israel, the bricks were primarily made out of clay and straw. But then to say you're going to rebuild with a huge stone, then you're making your your new tower out of a stronger material so that you can defy any further judgments coming from a foreign nation or from God or whoever. So it went from clay and straw to stone. And after 9-11, they also used a 20,000 or 40,000 pound, 20 tons, stone that they use as a cornerstone to build this whole defiant structure on. Kind of crazy. That is crazy. But I tell you what's crazy is what's coming up. So if if you're going, you guys are just talking about stones and straw and stuff. (laughs) Don't Mm -hmm. go anywhere because we're about ready to talk to you about the sycamore tree, which is mentioned in, in, uh, in the prophecy. And that's going to blow you away uh, because that bad boy isn't even native to America. <laughs> but yet, we, that's what we put there. And then there's an Ezra tree we're going to talk about. And then we're going to come back at you and talk about where this was pronounced, both in Israel and where the defiant statement was pronounced at, in Washington, D.C., and who said it. Excellent. Which is kind of important. So we will uh, talk about that when we come back. Hang in there. Don't turn the knob. This is going to be good stuff. We have some very interesting things to share. Oh, yeah. Happy people don't fail. Happy people just learn. Don't think they're above the push and shove. just let them down. They always got a hand or a dollar to spare. Know the golden rule what you're going through. 
Say smile on your face Whatever makes you happy 